So today on the Dossier podcast, we have a really interesting guest, uh, Ben Kaufman out of Israel, currently relocated because of COVID insanity stuff. But um, Ben has a really interesting social media presence and uh, he's really, you could say, based with uh, Austrian economics. He, ben works in the Bitcoin wor- world. He's a, um, he's a developer at Spectre Wallet which is a, Ben, I, I believe that's, that's, a, that's a mobile, is it a mobile application or is that a physical hardware? No, no it's, a, uh, it's, it's a desktop software and we also have uh, a physical hardware, uh, a hardware wallet. Uh, and I work mostly on the software side. And it's a Bitcoin only company, right, Spectre? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. that's good to know. Yeah, because... There's a lot of, um, in what people refer to as the crypto space, there's a lot of companies that kind of um, deal with all these other shit coins. So I try to a- avoid sending my, my audience to those places, but I know that Spectre for sure. For sure. gets good. Um, no, Spectre is Bitcoin only. Yeah, I know that Spectre has a good reputation among Bitcoiners. Um, yeah, so so Ben, um, born and raised in Israel, um, I, I, I've seen a lot of your commentary on the COVID stuff going on in Israel. Israel is a very unique situation because they were the first to kind of like get the population under the threat of a lot of things to mm-hmm. get the vaccination. And Israel had some of the hardest lockdowns in the world. Israel had some of the most sophisticated contact tracing. Um, They very much embraced the security state model. And Ben was one of the few uh, Israelis out there, sadly, I think, who was pushing back against this stuff almost immediately. Um, Ben, do you have a theory? And I can kind of think about a couple of things. Do you have a theory about why So many Israelis, at least from an outsider's perspective, just kind of like embrace the COVID mania stuff and the lockdowns without questioning anything. Um, I'm really not sure, to be honest. It's hard to know why exactly Israelis seem to be more supportive of of these, these, to be honest, quite insane measures. it seems like from, from the perspective of like just being there, most people just don't care that much. Uh, a lot of people got, uh, most of the people that have like normal jobs got paid to, to stay at home. So they had no, no problem with it. Uh, people just don't, don't care at all about freedom in, in any way. There is really no, um, not a single party in the, in the parliament, in the Knesset, that is uh, that is resisting this this lockdowns this everything uh, not even a single one there was one i think that was trying to in but they didn't even get enough votes to to uh, cross the threshold the minimum threshold so it just seems that people don't care that much um, i'm not sure why uh, but they just it's there is a lot of people who are, are actually scared of it, I'd say, and are buying into the, everything that the media tells them to get panicked of. But most of the people are just not not doing anything. They're just complying just because they were told to. 
maybe it's maybe it's because of the army or something. So every Israeli goes to the army for three years, and there you you definitely learn to to comply with with orders. So maybe it has something to do with that, uh, but I really don't know uh, exactly why. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that um, in you know the United States, it's more so it just happened to be kind of like a Republican versus Democrat issue on the lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, but in, you know, Sweden, it's, it's more of like the center left party that's against the lockdowns, but in Israel, it's just, you know, you have this parliamentary democracy and all these, co- all this coalition building. So you end up, I think with, with weak, um, weak, like political advocacy and you don't find people with like really, strongly held beliefs you just have like these wishy-washy politicians and it's interesting because a lot of people thought at least with Netanyahu leaving that you'd see maybe someone like you know the new prime minister Naftali Bennett that he would maybe be a little more leaning towards the direction of freedom because he was from the you know more of the right-wing party but that clearly hasn't been the case um, I think I, I saw mm-hmm. just last week he was um, he was like shaming the unvaccinated and blaming them for all of the ills in society. Um, have you been following yes. what, what's going on with like apparent? Apparently they're gonna they're they're setting up for another lockdown again in September. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now it's they said they might do it in two weeks instead of waiting until September. But September is the holiday season in Israel, like the Jewish holidays. So, and then they will probably lock down uh, at that time as well. So I, I expect if it starts now, it will probably be until October at least. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's interesting. So what did you, like, what do people say when you mentioned to people like, hey, these, uh, you know, they, we all were told to get vaccinated and now we have to lock down anyway. Like the people, it's still, you don't, you don't see any type of like awakening or resistance or any, any real numbers? No, not really. So people are just, um, just don't, don't care that much or just bang into the media uh, fear mongering. So they, they see that, okay, so now the vaccine doesn't work anymore. So we just take another dose. Like Israel started giving out fair doses uh, they, I think they do it for people like over 60 or something for now, but they want to do it for anyone over 40, I think. Uh, so even like relatively, like definitely not all people. Uh, and yeah, they'll probably roll it out for like younger and younger people as well. So their like solution for everything is to just increase it. If, if something doesn't work, you do more of it. If the vaccine doesn't work, it, it's not effective. Just give people more of the vaccine, uh, and that people just just okay with it. They're just uh, they just don't care. Okay, I'll I'll take another job, and I don't I don't care what like I don't care about freedom. I just want to like live normally. But they they simply don't realize that this will never end just by compliance. Yeah, I think it's you know in, in Israel like they're. One of their key strengths used to be, you know, the fact that you can like build a national coalition around something very rapidly. And this was mostly on the military side of things and defending the country. 
But unfortunately, mm-hmm. I, I think the, the weak side of democracy is really showing itself here or this, um, you know, this, this hyper nationalism, where it's just you take essentially taking orders from politicians about how to keep you safe. And it's and it's really, I, I think, extremely harmful to Israeli society in, in general, that they're just like acting, acting like, uh, you know, this is kind of uh, Israel is such a new country that I think this is just such an unprecedented development. And, and you don't really know where they're going to go from there. There was always this kind of thing like, well, you know, Israelis trust the government and the politicians, uh, you know, they know they have the trust of the people, so they're not going to abuse that trust too much. And now I think you're entering into this weird territory where the politicians and you know the so-called experts are, are abusing the trust of the people more than at any other time in Israeli history. And they used mm-hmm. to have this kind of level of trust when they had to defend the country. And now they're supposedly defending the country against the virus. Um, <laughs> but they're really, you know, that's, that's just not what, what's happening right now. They're just like running. I, I think they're just running basically like medical experiments on the entire population and surveilling them. And the, the obsession in Israel about, you know, the third dose and locking down the zero COVID insanity. Um, so mm-hmm. you grew up in, in, in Israel. How did you what did you turn to to kind of become like someone that like how did you find like austrian economics and bitcoin and and and, like these Mm -hmm. really um you know libertarian slash anarcho-capitalist philosophies in in a place where um that's not really a super popular philosophy Mm -hmm. um yeah so actually i started with i'm I guess I started my my way with coding, uh, and I was about twelve when I, thirteen, I think when I started coding, uh, and then uh, about one year later I realized that I don't want to be at school anymore. Uh, I never liked it, obviously, but I realized that when I can actually start coding, I can actually work and do what I like. Uh, I don't have to wait until I finish school or finish university like most people uh, in Israel do uh, just to get a job. I can start working now, uh, even if it means like getting paid. At, at first, uh, I just, like you said, basically leave school and try to, to start working. At first, I obviously earned almost nothing uh, practically because I was had no experience and I was so young. But with, with that experience, I could find better and better jobs. Uh, and right now, I can, I'm very uh, content with, with how I am professionally. Um, and in, so in that sense, this, this was already the, the first thing that I did that was very uh, unpopular, let's, let's say it that way. Uh, not, to, not to be in the uh, public school system, but just, just go my own way. Um, so that was, I think, that the first thing uh, to to build this type of like anti-authority. Um, after that, I'd say um, that it was just uh, finding Bitcoin that completely uh, woke me up to it. So that was like the biggest influence. I heard about Bitcoin from from a friend, and like w- once I started checking it out. Uh, I was just fascinated by it, um, and that really helped me find Austrian economics. And we read more about it and get interested in that. 
uh, I always leaned into this this type of philosophy. I was and like mindset of, of Austrian economics, but I never like learned about it before Bitcoin. Um, so that was the, the opening for me. So basically, you avoided the uh, the propaganda in public schools. So you yes, had you yes. had to ha- you had an open mind. Yeah, I, I kind of think about um, it, it's public school. Uh, is essentially just a way to program people to conform to uh, a set of Mm -hmm. societal norms. Exactly. So I guess that's why I was interested in it's because it's so rare to see someone um, in in Israel with with your particular beliefs and and Israel has Mm -hmm. managed to succeed um, without many people who um, have those beliefs. But I think that things are probably going to have to change in that country for them to remain a, you know, kind of like a Middle East superpower because you just, I I just struggle to believe that this collectivist stuff is going to end up um, in a positive form in the long term. Is there like, Mm -hmm. do you know anyone in Israel? Like, I I know that among the, um, there's really only, I think, two communities that I can identify in Israel that have been kind of against the lockdowns and the compulsory vaccination. And that's like the very small amount of right-wing, you know, libertarian types, and then the Orthodox community for other reasons. Do you like happen to, like, do you see anything going on in the country where there's just more of a a subset of individuals or, or groups that that wants to like oppose this stuff and, and like what at what like if you were to say like if we were to have this conversation on august 6th today's august 6 2021 if we're gonna have this conversation on august 6 2022 like what do you do you think you're back in israel do you think that it's the same stupid stuff is happening like what do you what do you project for what's going on there <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to go back in, uh, to Israel, not in a year at least. Um, I don't see it changing very much. So, yeah, as, as, as we said about the, the public school that helps indoctrinate people, uh, it's, in Israel, it's, it's even worse, actually, because it's first it's the public school until you're 18. Then once you become 18, you immediately go to, to the army, like after, uh, immediately after school, you go to the army for three years. And then you also like learn to follow orders and then people just go to university for a few years usually. Uh, and then they just like at 26 or something, they, they start living actually. They start they, they working, they start, but first of all, they go through a lot, a lot more um, state, state indoctrination, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think this, this very much influences people and I think, uh, there's just no, not enough people that care, um, that care about freedom, that care about uh, uh, limiting the government from, you know, from controlling people. Uh, and when nobody really cares, um, then no, I don't, I don't see it changing anytime soon. That's why I felt that I had to, I had to leave. Yeah. So I know that the the Bitcoin scene, or at least the 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 you know this, I guess you call it like there, there's a big crypto scammer scene in Israel but there's also a lot of <laughs> yeah, like yes, genuine yes. bitcoiners um mm-hmm. because just like there's a lot of people that are drawn to tech in the country and I know that the 
the the central the, the banking system in Israel is like extremely um, restricted. Do you think that mm-hmm. in a kind of in, in a future where where Bitcoin has really started to you know sweep up um, a, a significant percentage of monetary value in the world? Do you think that Bitcoin can impact Israel in a more positive direction and, and get kind of like get the, um, you know, the, the central bankers and, uh, you know, the, the central bank of Israel, which is extremely powerful and, you know, the people controlling monetary policy. Do you think that like kind of like similar to how it can Bitcoin can kind of like push the dollar away? Do you think it can help Israel in that sense, too? Um. I'm not sure. I mean, it might, but if so, it will take a long time. Uh, I think it will be a very long process uh, just to, to push people into Bitcoin. Um, I think we will need, uh, af- probably after some time of, of this, this insane uh, measures and with uh, CBDCs, uh, central bank digital currencies uh, coming soon, probably, uh, and People will just need to experience some some really bad stuff before they realize why they need Bitcoin. Are there CBDCs coming to Israel? To the net? I've heard I've heard talks that they want to implement that, but they don't really know. Like they, I'm pretty sure they don't have a clear plan yet. But they are just yeah, we want to do it, uh, much like most other central banks. Yeah, it, it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens in. The, the very near future there, because like at some point um, and, and you're well read in economics, like at some point you can't just lock down the country forever. And it seems like they're just um, it, it seems like the Israeli politicians just think that like this is a tool that they can just continue to use forever. And just, mm-hmm. uh, are, are there like what's the have you been following up on like the medical establishment in Israel well the the government bureaucrat medical establishment because I know like we have our Fauci's and stuff like that and is there like a similar situation in Israel there are yeah there are a few doctors who are uh the the regular ones I would say uh in in the scaremongering at the very beginning there was a very um uh a very prominent uh doctor uh, that was also the previous, um, I think the the um, the like uh, in the Ministry of Health, it was like the managing director there or something, like the most um, like the highest position basically, and he was very much against uh, against lockdowns, against the the panic, against everything, uh, and at first he was a lot on TV. Now I don't think he was at all for like a very long time uh, but doctors like him and there are quite a few uh, were just eventually completely sil- silenced so at first there was some debate uh, but at this point they are completely silenced there are some who basically lost their, their work lost their license because they do not agree with uh, with the, the, the others basically with the main uh, narrative yeah it- it's um so I know I know that like when I when I was in Israel um pretty recently and I spent a decent amount of time there, the um there's kind of been this like cultural transition from 
people want to be a military hero to people want to be, you know, a tech mogul and sell, you know, a billion dollar company to Google. What is the, what is the tech space like under COVID insanity? Is it just that like, that these people are easily able to accommodate the craziness because they don't actually need like a brick and mortar location? Do you think that they, like this kind of like 21st century mm-hmm. economy and, and Israel's reliance on tech, do you think that's like making things worse in a way? Yeah, I think it makes it makes the lockdowns way more uh, palpable and, and easier to implement. Um, yeah, the tech sector is very big in, in Israel, especially around Tel Aviv. Uh, the more you get, the farther you get from Tel Aviv, the less it is, I would say. But yeah, it's it's very large and very uh, prominent. Uh, so probably all these people that can work from home are uh, having all of that people uh, such a high percentage is probably very helpful for implementing uh, lockdowns. And again, a lot of people that just that can't work remotely, we're just getting uh, almost full pay from the government to just not do anything and stay at home. Uh, so they were happy with that too. Uh, it's basically the money printing that, that finances it. Uh, it's the, the huge government debt, money printing, whatever you want to call it. Um, but eventually it's, it's mostly, I'd say that uh, the money that can, can finance all these all this, uh, handouts to people to, to stay at home. Yeah, so you were there during the initial lockdowns. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize how restrictive that was. Like, what was what was your life like when they were instituting the lockdowns? Were you like literally just having to sit at home all day? Like, you weren't ba- you basically weren't allowed anywhere but the supermarket, correct? Pretty much, yeah. Um, you were allowed, I think, uh, to be around like a hundred meters from your home or something uh outside and or only going to the supermarket or something like that damn <laughs> it's so yeah it was pretty it's it was very restrictive yeah everything was closed uh even if you were like defying it and going out you had nowhere to go really because all the businesses were closed um yeah so it was yeah it was quite uh, quite tough um, for me personally, it's not. It wasn't too bad, relatively, because again, I I work from home anyway. Uh, I can work from from anywhere. But for many many people, it was very difficult, um, and especially not, not not going out, not seeing each other. Yeah. So, so people. So because like, you know, they, because I guess the cases went down or whatever, that seemed to be like their, even though like they kind of just ignored that all of their neighbors were dealing with the same structure of COVID cases. (laughs) It seemed like that those lockdowns, as tough as they were, was like the green light for Israel to impose more lockdowns. But it's interesting, like you said that no one was really hanging out either. Like, so people very much, like from your experience, people very much complied. Like there were no, I think there were very few protests, right? Or the people that were protesting were like, were, that were just mad at the government. 
it's it was so the protesting was mainly against there was a, especially in the beginning a lot of protests but not against the lockdowns against netanyahu very specifically for because people wanted to replace him it had absolutely nothing to do with with the lockdowns those protests uh there were like very very small protests maybe against the lockdowns but so small that practically insignificant uh from what i remember damn yeah so it, it's interesting because like the american right wing thinks of netanyahu as like especially the pro-israel right wing thinks of netanyahu as like this godlike figure but if i'm correct on on what how would you how would you explain like his real economic policies on a because like he was a pro vat tax guy like what 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 camp would you put bb in if you were to like explain him as a politician from from your perspective and to be honest i don't think he cares that much i think he mostly wanted to to stay in power and for that he needed uh, to to yield to pressures from the smaller um smaller uh, parties uh, mm-hmm. to join his coalition uh is definitely like not very uh, not very a very high taxes relatively guy uh he, but he's not and he's not too much into uh in terms of like economic activity not too much uh authoritarian i would say relatively to again relatively to the other options that we have uh but somewhere more or less in the middle i'll put him yeah it's interesting because i think that um like on on economic so he's he's kind of like a pragmatist in that sense but uh on the economic front mm-hmm. I think Israel's um shekel if I'm correct has been outperforming the dollar. Is yes, there is yes. there a reason is do you, can you pinpoint a reason why that's been happening? Mm, no, not at all. Um I know that in Israel right now we have quite some quite some inflation uh from what I believe. Uh but I guess just that the dollar might have more. Um I don't know exactly why the I think most currencies actually went up uh, against the dollar. So I don't think it's particularly the shekel. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think it it the shekel went up more than others uh more than the other ones. But has they really don't don't know why. Has has the central bank been printing a lot of money during the covid stuff? From what I know quite a bit, um yeah, the government debt went through the roof. uh it was already like this got, before covid hit there were like a lot of discussions on the debt is like way too too high and right now it's like what it used to be is minuscule compared to what it is right now um yeah and everything is basically going up now prices are going up uh for for everything um it's it's we we had like hyperinflation a long time ago in israel uh this is not yet there but it's it's still very high inflation i'd say yeah i that's so that's been a problem for for quite some time right like how uh especially in a city like tel aviv it's becoming like unaffordable for people that are middle income right like apartments are super it's completely expensive. unaffordable yeah, yeah especially the yeah especially the housing market in israel is is completely unaffordable for for people 
uh, that young people cannot really get apartments anymore. Um, not in these prices. It's like compared to the to the monthly salary, it's practically impossible for most young people to find uh, to get a house. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'd say that I guess proponents of Israel's system say the draft, even though that the pro, like, do you think that you could? have a, a strong sovereign Israel without the, the draft? Because I, I know that like the proponents of the system say, you know, yeah, yeah, it doesn't indoctrinate people, but it still, you know, creates a, you know, a, a defense community that's mm-hmm. super important against hostile neighbors. So the thing is, maybe in the past it was needed, but right now it's a complete waste. Uh, like I'm in a age where all my friends are now in the army and most of them just just don't do much. Uh, it's very, it's, it's really wasteful in terms of, of human resources. They have a lot more people than, than they actually need and actually uh, utilize. And I, I really think that with, if they were um, spending less money on, on recruiting everyone and just paying real salaries for, for people to, to, to do it like a professional job, um, it would have been much better. Yeah, so you think that Israel's at a point in time where it has a significant enough, I guess you call it qualitative advantage militarily that the draft is probably unnecessary? Is that a correct yes. translation statement? Yeah. yeah. Yes, pretty much. It's quantitative. Uh, also, like there are not there are too many people uh, that there are more people than the army actually needs. Interesting, because I never hear that from a you know from the the conversation going on about Israeli politics in the West is that um, especially among Israel supporters, uh, they just kind of say that the draft is super necessary because we have all these enemies around us. But yeah, you would say that do, the but, draft is kind yeah. of an old idea that was maybe formidable during like the early wars, but not not anymore. Now it's, in my opinion, it's completely un- unnecessary right now. Uh, from what I see in Israel, from from what I can see, from what I hear from friends, it seems very unnecessary right now. So, because of all the issues with you know, the, the, the propaganda, the, uh, you know, the virtue signaling, all the COVID stupidity, what is, what is the best way out of it? Do you think it's, 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 it's some kind of like getting people on the Bitcoin standard and forcing them them like into this like Austrian economic system? Like how does, how do you reverse course in Israel right now? If you, if they put you in charge um, of like, Um. Of, as a propaganda minister or something like how do you how do you re, how do you reverse what's going on with with Israeli society because you know there's a lot of Americans that are super supportive of Israel my, me included and obviously troubled by the complacency and what the government is doing and abusing the authority of the people, abusing their citizens essentially mm-hmm. yeah I would say the first thing the most important thing is to stop all the COVID madness, to stop the, the, the lockdowns, to stop the 
the green pass, uh, vaccine passport nonsense, uh, to stop all of that. Just let people choose what they want. If they want a job, they can get it. If, if not, they're not. Uh, if they want to stay home, they can. If they don't want, they can not stay at home. I mean, this is not, it, it feels crazy that I have to say, but letting people get out of their own house is, is not some, some insane idea. It's, it's life, how, how we live them for, for, forever. And just now that I have to, to defend the idea of people getting out of their house, it, it feels crazy, to be honest. Uh, but apparently that's, that's where we are right now. Uh, in, in, the, in the news, in the media, it's that we need a lot less, a lot less panicking. Uh, the, the thing is that right now, the, the news in Israel, at least uh, last time I was there, it was like 24-7 propaganda and fear-mongering and panicking. I mean, this is this is just way, this felt just crazy. I mean, you cannot watch this all day. Um, so I'd say you need much less of that, first of all. So what made you decide to finally say, like, I'm getting the hell out of here <laughs> for a while? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the first lockdown, I knew it's, it's completely bad and probably, I, I, I realized I'll probably need to leave uh, quite soon. Um, the second one this, uh, was, was basically holidays and I wanted to stay still with the family, but I, I started already looking for, for where to go. The third one, I just had to stay because my uh, my because of like family health issues, uh, I couldn't go. Uh, and but up but I already knew that once the the health issues are are, are resolved, I'm I'm out of there. And uh, yeah, that's what I did. Very interesting. All right, so let's talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> How does <laughs> How does Bitcoin, um, so I, I know that there's a lot of, like, so Bitcoiners are everywhere from like, you know, a pragmatic, someone with like a very pragmatic political ideology that thinks that it's just Sorry, a, I a, a better, I couldn't a better hear the money. First part. Sorry? I couldn't hear the first part, I'm sorry. So I, I just say Bitcoiners have a variety of ideological beliefs. You know, you have like your, you have like your Michael Malice anarchist types, and then you have people that just think of Bitcoin as a as a better as a better money, essentially that's going to empower individuals and uh, force productive change. Like, what in what in Israeli society do you think that Bitcoin can really help and assist human flourishing in Israel? Mm-hmm. So I first, I think that the most important thing is just to give, to take power from the government. So to take the power for the, over, over your, your financial like accounts. Like I was, for example, I, since I started working very early, uh, at very early age, uh, I couldn't use the banking system simply because I was too young. Uh, and that was really, really troubling for, for work. Uh, like I basically I couldn't well I could get paid into the bank I was not allowed to spend the money uh, or like minuscule amounts of it only uh, 
and then I re that's that like helped me re realize the, the power of Bitcoin of money without restrictions. Now this is quite a, a, a less common case, I would say, but still, um, the gov in general, uh, the government has a lot of power over the over your your, your financial uh, your finances. So they have power to to freeze your bank account whenever they want. Um, they can limit it in whatever way they want. Uh, so in that sense, I think, especially now with, with the lockdowns, like imagine that uh, with, if they, if it goes more into the authoritarian direction, imagine that you have CBDCs and mm -hmm. then they just shut it completely down. Like you really cannot, even if you like trying to defy it, you just cannot defy the, 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 you know, the lockdown or something because you cannot sell anything or buy anything uh, because your wallet is frozen. Yeah, so central bank digital, Ben's talking about central bank digital currencies, and I guess hypothetically, if your money is controlled by the central bank, they can just like go into your, your wallet um, application because it's a digital currency and either freeze your funds or take your funds, and there's no private entity. A central bank digital currency would be totally run by the state. And, you know, there, there's some interesting issues like warning signals especially what's going on in in lebanon with currency controls which neighbors israel mm -hmm. to the north i think that's like that mm -hmm. could also be a potential situation because they have such protectionist heavy controls over the currency itself right that like it doesn't even take a central bank digital currency there's like banking monopoly in israel and they could mm -hmm. if things were to go south um in a non-Bitcoin world, you know, if too many Israelis have all their money in shekels, that could also present a problem, right? Like you could see a Lebanon type mm -hmm. situation. Yeah, yeah. There is, yeah, there's definitely a banking monopoly in Israel. And yeah, right now the thing is not complete. It's, it's very bad, but obviously not as bad as Lebanon. But yeah, it could definitely go that way too. All right, so before we wrap things up, so I asked you about BB. Um, the new prime minister, Naftali Bennett, what's, what's, your, what's your read on him moving, moving forward? I was very surprised how, how authoritarian he turned out to be. He was uh, speaking more into the, um, not really libertarian, but slightly more freedom leading than, than the others. But turned out is completely different than that. So is that is even like even worse probably than Netanyahu. Um, I don't. I mean, he's the new prime minister. I'm not sure you know, but he has like only something like six percent of, of the votes. So like it, it, a ridiculously tiny amount of the votes uh, were for him. Uh, but so he's probably not going to survive long. Again, he's only prime minister because of the coalition building uh, nonsense that we have in the Israeli political system. Uh, and he's probably not going to be the, the prime minister for, for much longer. I'd assume that the, the next uh, elections, uh, I'd assume that Bibi is going back to win. Yeah, so that's a lot of Americans don't like we always complain about our two party system. But when you go down the path to multiple parties, you end up with like these ridiculous coalitions where people believe in nothing. Right. So 
more yeah, is it yeah. more isn't necessarily a better a better solution as proven by mm-hmm. Bennett who has to it didn't he get um didn't he have to like build his coalition through like far left um Islamist people too like didn't they have to join to get um, to the top? I don't remember if I don't remember if I'm pretty sure they did but I don't remember for sure if they joined eventually or not I'm pretty sure they did though but I don't remember 100%, so I don't want to uh, be inaccurate. But yeah, even even they have them, they, they have that, they have like the very left-leaning uh, parties, even not the Islamic ones, the, you know, the, uh, the Jewish ones, but the very left-leaning. And they have the, the very right-leaning, uh, like Bennett is from one of the right-leaning uh, parties. Um, so it's, it's a complete mess, I'd say. They, I, I don't know how they can agree on any like single decision besides doing more lockdowns, to be honest, which is what they all want. Uh, but besides that, like all the political, um, all of the, the, the other political issues, I don't know how they can reach a single decision with this, uh, let's call it diversity in their, um, in their coalition. All right. So... Let's talk about Spectre. Uh, so, what, so I think a lot of like early Bitcoiners don't understand the value of of having a um, a, a platform where you can kind of hold your own. Uh, Spectre is a non custodial solution, correct? Yes. Yes. So, what's like the the pitch? for because i have so many friends here that are like oh yeah i have all my stuff on coinbase or or stuff or like kraken or stuff like that um especially like in this crazy world today what is what kind of separates uh specter wallet and specter solutions um what kind of got you interested in joining that team mm-hmm yeah, so I was basically the reason I, I joined the project is that I was looking my, for, for myself for a way to use Bitcoin Core. So the, the F full node, um, should I explain that more or less? Or are you like familiar with the term? Yeah, we don't have to get too technical. <laughs> because yeah, so, running, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was, yeah, so I was looking for a way to use, uh, to use my own node instead of trusting a, a third party server. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing that with uh, you, with hardware wallets, so interacting with hardware wallets um, and and uh, using my own uh, Bitcoin node instead of relying on a third party, uh, which is obviously bad because it leaks your privacy. Uh, they might lie to you about uh, about your your balance, about your transactions. Uh, so basically, just prefer to to don't trust and verify. Just run it myself. Um, so the, the, the thing is that there was Electrum, which is the, the old uh, software that it's been uh, out since forever, but it's very difficult to, uh, or used to be very difficult to set it up with your own uh, Bitcoin node. Mm-hmm. Uh, by default, it uses uh, third party uh, servers. Uh, so, and then I stumbled upon Spectre. And I just tried it. And after a few minutes, I decided that I really wanted to use it. And then from just from using it, I found some stuff I wanted to have, uh, some stuff I wanted to improve. 
And since it's completely open source, I just started contributing. Uh, and at first, very small things, later, like bigger things. And I've been ending up doing it for about one year, just as a side project for, for fun. And now it's, it's my full-time job. Awesome. Uh, so what do you think of, I've been kind of like thinking a lot about the Lightning Network and all of the applications that could potentially be built on the Lightning Network um, with Bitcoin as a future global monetary unit of account. What do you mm -hmm. what do you think of the possibilities of the Lightning Network? Do you think like because I know a lot of Bitcoiners, uh, it, it used to be kind of like most Bitcoiners I think are on board with the Lightning Network, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of Bitcoiners that are hyping the Lightning Network, and I, I think like I'm kind of like believing in the hype at this point because you can you can you know, broadcast transactions without having to worry about, uh, it, I think it's just a great layer two solution to like a lot of the big early critiques of Bitcoin. What, what's your, what's your take on lightning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's certainly a very, very good solution. Uh, it's not a silver bullet. So there are still problems and stuff that will be even with lightning, uh, but it's definitely a huge improvement and very important. And I really like seeing the progress there, uh, especially very recently. Uh, I think it will be very big in the future. Uh, right now, it's still um, not not that big, I would say, but it's definitely gain, gaining traction and uh, improving a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited about it. Awesome. Yeah, me too. I think it's like, it's kind of like, reminds me of the early days of the internet where we had a product and we just kind of like didn't didn't really know what would happen with it but there were so many potential applicable solutions and i think that there's a lot of potential economic uses of the lightning network and just the bitcoin network in general that haven't even been just discovered and explored by people and it should be very interesting you know because kind of like going back to Israel, that there's so many people that want to be innovators in Israel. Is there, like, do you see, do you see the Bitcoin space expanding in Israel at all? Uh, yeah, sure, of course. So there is a very good Bitcoin scene in Israel, I would say. Um, and again, it's, it's, I think it's growing very well. Uh, obviously, a much larger shitcoin uh, industry. But there is also a very good core, like Bitcoin community that is um, both like very, very um, um, old, old generation guys, I'd say, like uh, Manny Rosenfeld, for example, that has been uh, running the, the Bitcoin embassy in Israel for years. Uh, and are many like newer people, like I joined quite later, I joined like 2017 or something. Uh, so yeah, it, it keeps growing and I think it will start growing. It will continue to grow even more. Uh, there are many, many people, many products uh, that come from Israel and yeah, I'm very excited about it. All right. Awesome. So people can find you on your ship post, your ship posting on, <laughs> on Twitter, uh, yes, underscore, yes. at underscore Ben Kaufman and Ben is a um, Ben's a software engineer coding at Spectre Wallet. Uh, is there anywhere else people can reach you, or are those is is Twitter the best place? I think Twitter is by far the best place. Uh, Telegram could work too. Um, email could work, but 
Twitter is definitely the, the best place. Yeah, Ben's takes on, on Twitter are second to none and uh, very much uh, always, always entertaining. <laughs> really see eye to eye on it. But, but Ben, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me.